hit record. And yeah, we've we go. got levels. There are levels. There's no. You're not gonna whisper. There's no whispers. No whispering on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, welcome to Keeping It Fifty One Fifty Episode Ten. Double digits. Yeah, finally. I know. We're catching up almost as many episodes as we have subscribers. <laughs> it's true. We're That's really a mark of success. Big moment in anybody's lives. Yeah. To do ten things in a row. <laughs> you're really committed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's stay on let's stay on point this week. Let's uh we'll see what happens. So agenda items, uh emails. Do we have any emails? No, nothing. We have absolutely Not no emails. Hilarious spam email. Oh man. No, it's there's just nothing coming okay. from you guys. Email us right now if you can hear my voice <laughs> on girl I can make you feel okay at gmail.com. It clearly can't. Um, and I'm assuming we don't have any iTunes reviews or anything either. None that I've seen, no. Okay. I keep I keep rating as five stars. I don't know if that's going <laughs> to... For the same IP address. I, I, oh, here we go. I can rate it again. Yeah, it's still not... Oh, it, it's great. It is great. What's related? What's some of the related... related? I, I remember... This is, why, this is why we're bringing this up, because I wanted to see what's related. It says, like, the... Yeah, the Joe Rogan experience, which is obviously... Uh, oh, I mean... So we got to talk about MMA now? Is that <laughs> what we're doing? MMA and MDMA. They're the, they're the two things. Wait, wait, don't tell me. Oh, Jesus fucking Christ, iTunes. Come on. Don't, uh, don't break us with wait, wait, don't tell me. People like... I know a lot of people who like My Favorite Murder. I've it's never okay. I've bit, never listened to it. It's a bit chatty and digressive, so I can see why it would be... Yeah, that's this closest so far, probably. Yeah, two dope queens. Don't even know what that is. I don't know. Um, the, the Pat McAfee... Don't don't nope. know what that is, but is, it's got like a, a football, it's got a football a, guy. It's got like a place kicker, like from a peachy folder as uh, the thing. By the way, we we need to up our uh, our iTunes avatar game. Well, yeah, I mean it's a pretty solid <laughs> image we have right now, but yeah, well we we've been talking about this. Yeah, we got plans. We'll <laughs> unveil stuff in the future. So they're recommending a lot of stuff. I don't know that it intersects fully with what we're doing. No, but I don't think that they're actually. I don't have any data on us other than like. <laughs> Yes. We've marked it as a, a comedy podcast. And so now they're just giving us all the... I also like that there's a very 90s-looking explicit language sticker. Oh, yes. Parental advisory. The parental advisory is really fitting for this podcast because it's going to be a very 90s-centric I guess most of our podcasts are kind of <laughs> 90s-centric podcasts, but this one, I think... We're, we're, we're not gonna... looking forward. We're looking back to when we were young and <laughs> yeah. had a future. Look, my future's bright. Okay. So beer sponsorships. This is uh, the next thing we wanted to talk about. There's a lot of bands seem to have their own beers or at, least, thing. or at least a band has some relationship with a brewery or a brewery approaches a band and says hey fucking pig destroyer we want to make an ipa and put your logo on it that cool i'm assuming that's how it works it seems like that's how it works like mastodon had like three different beers at various yeah. points it's like all beers <laughs> that's and that, that seems appropriate for pig destroyer mastodon uh, Clutch put out put out a beer, which yeah. I, I was very surprised. We wandering around the PCC, the, the only person in the PCC that probably owns a Clutch record, and like, holy fuck, Lips of Faith, I'm a, I'm a drink this. Wait, that's the name of it? Yeah, that's what it was called. That is not a great name. No, it's it's not a great name. It was one of those. I think it was a New Belgian uh, brewery one, which okay. I, I didn't particularly enjoy. But you didn't, or got you did? it, no, but got to buy it. You, it well, a, you also you the Trooper, you drank the Trooper. I did. Um, Iron Man. I, I, I tracked that down. That was like had to be imported from the. That's some the, Welsh brewery. That's the first tie-in beer I remember. Right. I haven't actually ever drank any of it. It's not great. Well, it might be great if you like sort of beery beers, but yeah. it was I, I'm lager. Like I was yeah, like me too. Cold, so busy lager. I want the least beer-tasting beer possible, yeah, personally. Yeah. Um, so I think it's mostly breweries have like a beer, and they're like, what if we tied it in? What if we got some of that like rock and roll shine? <laughs> what if you got some of that sweet pig destroyer money? 
Prowler in the yard has gone. What's what's like a really not very valuable metal? <laughs> it's gone. It's gone mercury. Wait, did they call it logger in the yard? Because that would be a pretty good one. <laughs> I feel like it should. They should have punnier titles. They should. But uh, ACDC, there's like a giant like oil can full of beer. That's like, yes, that seems appropriate. There's a surprising amount of rock and roll endorsements to beers. Which brings us to our beer pairing of today. Yeah. Uh, Megadeth has a beer. Why don't you talk about that a little bit? So, surprisingly, Megadeth... Uh, now, I, I had Dave Mustaine down as a recovering alcoholic because, you know, of all the drugs and alcohol that he's done and no longer does. And then I read an interview recently where it says, no, oh, I'll have a glass of wine now and again. I thought, oh, that's, that's interesting. But anyway, Megadeth, weirdly, uh, for, for a cleaned-up Christian band, have brought out their own beer. And uh, it's called... Named after us, which which song would it be? Now? What what what's that, what's a top uh, Megadeth song? Obviously, something of Euthanasia. That's that's the record you want to go after. And obviously, the yeah. French one, the the uh, the Atul Amant. That's yeah. That's what they picked. Well, well done. I found I, this because I dug into Dave Mustaine's Facebook page. I don't, I can't like him on Facebook because I don't like him and I don't want people to think I do. <laughs> but the last year, it's only been posts about this fucking beer that's come out, and it's won an award. Best celebrity indoors beer. <laughs> Also, oh, no, it, not not that. Like way way tighter. Like best celebrity that also plays a Jackson. They could have had a, a beer that had caffeine in it, and they yeah. could have called it the Dawn Patrol. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, say the name of this because I'm not. I'm gonna slaughter it's, it again. A Toulemont. Toulemont. The Megadeth. The what? I, can't, I wish I could. I should have looked this up before uh, before we did the podcast. But the lyrics are something like A Toulemont for all the world. It's Toulemont. Well, my friends, or all my friends, or something like that. I can't remember the next line. And then the, the last line is, je vois partir, which means, I leave. <laughs> it's really, it's some clumsy French. <laughs> He's like, I only remember a few things from high school French. They're like, what is it? He's like, I'll tell you in song form. <laughs> we went to two different places looking for this beer. Yeah, yeah. I, I used a beer finder for a local, uh, our local market said they had it, and we like made it a point to go there. They did not have it. And then my wife was gracious enough to go to a different <laughs> liquor, like giant liquor store um, and pick this up. So yes, shout well, out to so, my wife. Okay. For, but yeah. Cheers. So this bottle, we haven't actually taken a drink yet, no, but it's, uh, it's 12 fluid ounces. It's got a very anime looking Vic Rattlehead yeah, on the front. There he is. It has a foil wrap top for a touch of elegance, <laughs> which we naturally assumed would mean that it we, we need to get the bottle openers out. No. It is a screw top, <laughs> meaning they expected you to like carefully un peel this wrapper and then screw the top that's weird yeah, that, situation that's, a, that's an odd move it's uh it's brewed with spices which i like there's a food pairing on this beer oh shit read that <laughs> food pairing pad thai fried calamari i'm assuming this is an or not a, like a you should have all this food <laughs> no all pad thai fried calamari chicken shawarma or suvalaki sure mescaline salad is that, can that be right? Mescaline salad? <laughs> Wait, like a salad that's got like a psychotropic drug poured Me- over mescaline it? Mescaline salad and lemon vinaigrette. So it likes, uh, that's most food. That's a lot. That's quite a broad selection. It of is. Food. Yeah. Chicken shawarma and pad thai are quite, quite different, I think. But they're not. No, I just, I, I go to, I like to go to a buffet where I can get all of those things at once. Well, yeah. <laughs> Old country buffet. I'm assuming they would have that. Maybe get a couple of hot dogs for the road. You know, let's figure it out. All right. So let's, let's try this. Let's see what happens. Oh, that's that's not bad. I actually really like it. Yeah, they weren't heavy. lying. I don't, I don't generally go for a Belgian beer, but this is this is all right. Well, they weren't lying about the spices. Like it actually comes through. It's just very Christmassy. I don't know. It's got like oh yeah, because yeah. 
Because it is kind of like, it's a lighter flavored beer, but it has like a lot of just like warm tasting spices in it. I'm not obviously where this isn't the beer podcast, but I do appreciate that he didn't go on an IPA. I feel like... Yeah, that's, that's the general... Especially in this in the, in Seattle where there's a lot of microbrews around here and they're pretty much all IPAs. And I'm... IPAs, I feel like, situate all of the things that I don't like about beer. Like, yeah. those are all the things they turn up to 11 and they scoop the mids and all the drinkable parts of it. And it's the dime bag of beer. <laughs> it's d- served in a fucking crate amp with an ugly Dean guitar. <laughs> So, um, who is this podcast for? <laughs> it's <laughs> us. Like, you got to make the art that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, we needed exactly. we needed more dime back. This back-tops. is how Bowie started. He didn't just copy people around him. Uh, this is actually good beer. Yeah, this is I'm all right. surprised. So better than the Trooper, you would say? Definitely. I didn't really like the Trooper. I still, I think I still have the bottle somewhere because you know it's got a picture of Eddie as the Trooper on it on a beer bottle. Like, how much fun is that? Yeah, That's all the fun. High marks. I would say this is like a good beer. I wish. It wasn't a Megadeth beer, because this might be a beer I would drink more often than I'm going we to. We would have never bought it had it not been a Megadeth beer, though. I mean... Yes. It makes me want to check out other beers mm. from um, the who, company. Who, who these guys are. Yeah. Um, Unibroke. Unibrock. Unibrock. There's a lot of difficult-to-pronounce words yeah. in today's That's podcast. why I'm, I threw those all over the U, because if <laughs> I did it, I'd be like, you know... <laughs> like, yeah. The last topic for this segment... This goes into a little bit of our featured segment in that nostalgia is going to play a big part of not only all of our podcasts, but certainly this one. And yeah, this isn't a future predictions podcast. No, <laughs> no. We don't. We were not in the prediction business. <laughs> so you grew up with Nintendo, right? Uh, the, yeah, I didn't own one, but I had friends that had one, so I could, yeah. I could, I had access to them. I was a Nintendo kid growing up. As soon as I could get one from then on out, I, I didn't play Segas, and I was only Nintendo. I had an right. NES and a Super Nintendo. Worked my way up. Oh, wow. You had the whole, you worked through the whole I worked for the whole family. thing. I worked for the whole thing, and I was whip it. And uh, real recently, Nintendo uh, announced that they made this little tiny... Like hand size. Like yeah, it, like a couple of Pop-Tarts stacked on each other kind yeah. of size. NES that had like 30 games preloaded on it. So it's kind of like those flashback systems. There's just like a Sega Genesis one. There's yeah. like Atari ones. So and you, can, you can get them on emulators for your PC, probably for your phone as well. But this was a neat little gadget. For people like, who wouldn't just, yeah, get an emulator and download every single thing. Or get like a, a cartridge that someone had made that had an emulator and every single Nintendo game on it. Yeah, this, this is way more convenient. This is just like, oh, for people who are just like casual fans. That, of, it like, oh, like I was, yeah, I was I tempted. Pl- people were really excited about it. I think most people were tempted. And it came out for Christmas, and they didn't ship very many units, so it no. sold out immediately. And then they rushed some more out that also sold out immediately. But they just announced they're going to do one last run and then not make any more. And this is after people are paying, like, for a $60 unit, are paying, like, four or $500 on the secondary market to get one. So there's, like... Right. So they could raise the price. Or they could just flood the market and sell all of them. Like, they could make that money. Yeah. If they I wanted to. Presumably them. $60, they, they picked that as a profit. This wasn't a loss leading thing to go, hey, remember Nintendo. So well, actually it may have been, but well, charge but, more than sixty dollars. Jesus Christ, come on. Yeah. They could have charged a hundred bucks and people probably would have still bought it. I don't know how stuff works. I mean maybe they had like Nintendo presumably don't make all of the all their own stuff internally, presumably outsource like yeah. these circuit boards and we got a, d- a deal on making a hundred thousand of them. Oh, if it's gonna be another two hundred fifty thousand actually it's way more money because the price of fucking zirconium is I don't know what the fuck. Yeah. Has do you know like you can imagine yeah. how there, there, there could be a bunch of contributing facts to this, but it just seems like that's a successful product. Make it make it happen. Like people are 
have a real desire for it. That's not common. It's really not common for Nintendo to be have a, a product yeah. people want anymore. Like <laughs> the only thing I can think is you can't add games to it. Like if they were smart, they would put out like a, a version USB of it. Stick. Well, like a version of it that you could hook up to the internet and yeah. then where you could buy games from them and download it, which is yeah. something that the I think the Wii had. I don't know if that's the like I don't know what their plan is. And it's nostalgia a, is definitely something that Nintendo has on their side more than more than looking into the future. Like some some companies seem to be very successful. I like uh, the PlayStation Four is doing just seems to be doing pretty well. The Xbox One did did well. Yeah. Um, so those those companies are good for like. Like, don't Microsoft. It would be f- foolish of them to kind of go, "Hey, let's put up the original fucking Xbox, uh, the size the size of a, you know, the size of a cell phone." It's like, no, people aren't lusting after that yet. But yeah. um, Nintendo have a lot of nostalgia on their side, and they could, they could, they. It sounds like they were really capitalizing on it on this, and now for some reason that we can't put together, they're like, "Nah, fuck it, we're <laughs> we're done." So yeah. Um, in conclusion, let's wrap this up. Um, nobody emails us, so we're sad and lonely. Yeah, please get in touch. Luckily, we have a very nice Megadeth beer <laughs> to comfort us in our time of need. Yeah. Uh, we won't be able, though, to drunkenly play Nintendo uh, on the NES Classic because it's unavailable and they stopped making it. Yeah. So hopefully some uh, enterprising Chinese illegal company will just stop producing <laughs> yeah. like Nintendo Classics with all of the, all the hardware <laughs> and selling for 40 bucks. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> we're, not, uh, we're not... This is Donald Trump's America. There are no laws anymore. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so in the spirit of that, let's read some ads. One of the serious problems facing podcast listeners today is there's just too much media. How are you going to stay up to date with all the quality shows that are constantly being produced? You can't watch them. That would cut into the time you spend playing reruns of The Office on Netflix. But if you don't keep your finger on the pulse, you'll be out of your depth at the next fancy cocktail party when someone starts talking about the strain. That's where TV Digest comes in. Entire multi-season shows have been compressed down to a single word, and you can get up to speed and back to Jim and Pam in seconds. Here's some examples. Spoiler alert, obviously. Downton Abbey. Oh. 60 Minutes. News! Young Pope. What? Shameless. Ah. Start your trial now at www.tvdigest.com. Use the promo code that muffled show where they talk about Metallica for a 20% reduction on your first set of words. TV Digest. Who watches The Watchmen? Not you. Works so much better if The Watchmen was a TV show. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Um, so featured segments. Featured segments. We're we back. Should, we should get more little uh, in, in interstitial music. Yeah. People tune into this podcast, as far as I'm aware, for the interstitial music. I did a bunch early on, and then I haven't done any more, and now I've gotten to the edge of ones that I've originally done. So all right, we need more. We'll make some more. Um, Feature right. segment. Yeah. So this is amazing. For a dude who doesn't like movies, you've seen I, two movies recently. I hate movies. They're, they're all terrible. They're the worst art form. Um, that's yeah, not uh, true. You know it's not true. <laughs> they're better than dance. Uh, I went to see Trainspotting, or T2, as it's calling itself. You saw it a couple of weeks ago? I saw it opening weekend. Okay. 
That so you're going to go d- d- right back into the, the past of your mind of trying to... <laughs> yeah, I went, in, I went in my memory palace and yeah. really got into this. So this is something that we teased talking about this. So we're going to talk about T2, but first I think we should talk about train spotting. Yeah. Because I think it's important to to frame for people who may not remember train spotting at the time exactly what that is so then we can like contextualize what T2 is or isn't compared to that. If yes. that makes sense. Start out with Train Spotting was based off a book. Did you read that book before you knew it was a movie? Uh, not before I knew it was a movie. No. Okay. I can't remember. I think I saw the movie first before I read the book. Before the movie came out in the UK, at least, there was a big press push. So there was uh, newspaper articles and, and uh, magazine articles about about this this new uh, edgy um, heroin movie. Um, re- really had very high expectations for it and was really anticipating it as being a great movie. And, and So that had a big press push. So that was a wide release. This was a really big movie. It was a there? big deal in the UK. You couldn't miss it. You could... Um, you could. Um, I don't know if they did this. They probably did this. Like, unlike a mainstream dumb sketch show, they could do a train spotting joke, and it will be received by everybody in the UK sure. and understood. Like it was a mainstream movie in the UK, right. or at least not necessarily ha- everyone saw it, but everyone was very much aware of it. Yeah, it was a yeah. huge, had a huge cultural impact, even on the people that didn't see it. My memory of it was that we had heard about this. It's like, oh, this is like tearing up Europe, and this is like fucking supposed to be really good. And we hadn't like really heard. Danny Boyle had another movie out, but we hadn't really heard of. Danny. What was the other movie that was? Uh, Shallow Grave was. He made oh Shallow, shit! Okay, he made yes. Shallow Grave before Train Spotting. Okay, but we didn't see that. I mean, it's the same thing with Quentin Tarantino. Like I saw Pulp Fiction, then I saw Reservoir Dogs. Wasn't yeah. like we were all over. I, Reservoir I'm pretty Dogs. sure I saw it in that. Order yeah. As well. um, so it's like, oh, this is you know, this is like the hot shit because it was it was released by Miramax. It was yeah. an independent movie. So I grew up like. 10 blocks from the one art house cinema oh, cool. in like Anchorage. So we got that at that theater. Like we went and saw it like that night that it opened, you know, and it was just like loved it. And then we just, it kept playing and we would, if we had nothing going on, we just kept going back and seeing it. Oh, and then wow. it would go away and come back. And when it come back, we'd be like, oh, it's back. We should go see it again. I've seen train spotting in the theater more than any other movie. That is, I saw it, that is weird. Like, I, I saw I, it 14 I, times in the theater <laughs> over like nine months or whatever. It kept going away and coming back, and we just kept going to see it. So, so it was, more, but it was, it was an indie hit. I mean, but it was it an indie hit. Yeah. It was like Saturday that thing Night where, Live wasn't doing transporting jokes like that. That I don't think so. I I, I think it was more of just kind of um, people in the know, or you know, if you film comment would have that on the cover or something. You know, like okay. like film magazines would have it on the cover, and people who are like marginally interested, but it didn't play in like a mall theater wouldn't have it. You know no. what I mean? Like in the UK, it, absolutely did because that's yeah, that's where I went to see movies. Was this like, yeah? Ridiculous. So it wasn't a big deal, but for people who loved independent cinema or like cinema heads, that I think that was it was a big movie. And yes, I think yeah. almost bigger than the movie itself was the soundtrack, though. I think the soundtrack may have penetrated here more than the movie. It, it did. sounds like it. Uh, it sounds like the soundtrack was more of a big deal in the U.S. than it was in in the U.K. I remember. Um, we can bring it up because I actually have it on the computer because I haven't memorized the soundtrack. Um, but I remember some of the songs off it as being um, like getting a lot of play. By various people, or possibly even on the radio. Yeah. Um, they used. Um, I remember they used "Perfect Day" by Lou Reed as a, an advert for uh, something for the BBC. They did like a pr- BBC did self promotion kind of things, and they used they used "Perfect Day" and had all these different people singing it. It's a weird choice. Well, no, yeah, and that's a hundred percent. Like, no one was like clamoring for "Perfect Day" to be a thing. I don't think people were bothered about Lou Reed until this movie. To be honest, I think "Perfect Day" is a fine song, but the way it plays. 
under the OD scene and train spotting like works really well. And, yes. Yeah. And Born Slippy like being like last five minutes of train spotting, it's just it like that music works really well with what you're yeah. seeing on screen and elevates the song. It's that what like the Anwar's walking across the bridge having ripped everybody off. Yeah, well it starts out because it's you know, it starts out with just like keyboards and a dude singing. So it's like from him getting up to the side to rip them off to ripping them off to like okay. leaving. That whole thing is like that song uninterrupted go, goes in the background and it kind of the way it builds and stuff and it's like the way it's cut to that makes it really awesome. Yeah. In it's, a way that like I would never be like that stuck with me in a way that if I had just heard that song like I would not no, give a shit about it. The, the song had a life of its own outside of the movie unfortunately in the UK whereby um, I remember people in my in my corridor at college uh, would play that song really fucking loud and I remember thinking this sucks. This is a terrible place. <laughs> It sucks when you watch Train Spotting uh, with uh, subtitles on, which you should totally do. It's the best way to watch Train Spotting. But um, but the closed captioning had the lyrics for Born Slippy going on underneath oh, right. that scene because so there's no dialogue. Laga, 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 shouting. He couldn't like, figure out anything to rhyme with boy, so he just repeats boy <laughs> a lot. It's yeah. just like uh, that seemed not like not that was the first take. And they just <laughs> – do you want to write down anything? No, it's all in my head. I got it. First take, nailed it. <laughs> like, don't don't need to do it again. I think I, I think I got the emotion of it. And both Lust for Life and Born Slippy had music videos that were played on MTV. Oh, really? Okay. Like uh, train spotting music videos, <laughs> like with clips from the film. Like that's, they like that is unusual, right? That's that, 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 there's not often an indie movie that's big enough to push out like an MTV. Merrimax is, is getting it done. Well, the Lust yeah. for Life one was weird because uh, they clearly got Iggy Pop to like lip sync it. I My memory is like, in just a white room. Lip syncing without a shirt on because that guy's... I don't think he has any shirts, right? Contractually <laughs> obligated to not own shirts. Is and Clearly they shot Iggy Pop in like an hour and then they would just cut to just various shots in the movie. <laughs> and I can't remember what the Born Slippy was, but I remember getting watching that like late at night. So I again iconic soundtrack. I think visually it's a movie that uh, the original Train Spotting. Um, I think it was very influential on. Oh yeah, filmmakers, you, and I think. Have you seen ripoffs of Train Spotting though? In the same way that you've seen straight up ripoffs of Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction and things like that. Like there was, I, I, difficult for me to actually name because I'm not that much of a film nerd. But just what just looking at the video covers, you're like, oh you, fuck you, like you you know Tarantino. Yeah, I, I, I don't see Danny Boyle as being. Um, a someone that people have gone right. I'm going to ape that. I think he's hard to ape, right? Um, and the things that are would be easily apeable of his stuff are also the stuff that like ages the least well. Yes. Like there's a lot of like both in Shallow Grave and Train Spotting. There's times when they clearly drove around a neighborhood and then they speed it up real fast. Oh, like really, okay. like and it's like stuff like that. It's like I, I no don't remember no that in Shallow Grave. Loved Shallow Grave. It, it starts fantastic. with that. That is literally the introduction I, to the movie. Is house music. Then, then I get to watch that again. That's fantastic. Because yeah. I also I've forgotten that Danny Ward directed it. It was like that's that was. And it's, oh. it's, it's you and McGregor and um, it is. And side note, um, so Shallow Grave. If anyone watched that, I'm going to spoil a little bit of Shallow Grave for you. Um, also, and by if you've not watched it, oh my, like skip over this part because it's fucking amazing. It's, it's, it's really great. I'm not going to give away a lot away. I'll just um, in Shallow Grave. Uh, a bunch of people have an apartment and they have a, a room and 
are trying to rent it out to people and are kind of assholes. But what the dude they ultimately uh, rent out the room to maybe he seems mysterious and maybe criminal in nature. Bit of a dodgy gangster, right? The guy, that guy, is in Train Spotting playing the gangster who they ult- who ultimately buys heroin off of the, the, the oh, gang. Oh, the, the Russian one. Oh no, he's oh no no no. You're right. Sorry, they buy it off yeah. the Russians and sell it to. They sell it to yeah. the guy well, from fucking Sh- sixteen. Then sixteen thousand. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's they Same sell guy. it to the shallow grave guy. <laughs> I think he might even be wearing the same outfit. Oh, you, you think these universes are linked? They, Danny Boyle specifically said these universes are linked. He was like, I I, I got that guy back because I like to believe that like that that guy went from this deal. Rented that apartment, and then what happened happened. Yeah. I don't want to spoil like no, no. Shallow go see Shallow Grave. Um, so that's a linked thing, which I think is really cool. That's no one notices that shit. But I don't. Rem- <laughs> Shallow Grave didn't have um didn't have the same um iconic soundtrack. It didn't seem to have. I don't remember anything off, off that. And no. it didn't have. It, I don't remember lots of weird camera angles and fucking it's, special effects and it, crazy no, Danny no, Boyle shit that you. It's mostly just kind of a Hitchcockian thriller, but it begins. With it's cut between shots of the apartment and speeding through like I don't know if they're in London or whatever like a they're London, in Edinburgh Edinburgh yeah. neighbor, even Shallow Graves Shallow Grave I believe is set in Edinburgh okay I could be wrong about that you I'm might be wrong I, I think you might be wrong but um speeding through the neighborhood and it's set to like EDM like stuff like house okay. house music and it's the one part of that movie that like now you look at it you're like. <laughs> At the time, I can understand why he's like, this is like the hottest shit. And he was clearly like really into that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think um, Trainspawn, yeah, it's hard to ape, but it is visually really exciting. Yeah. It's never a, it's never a dour movie. It slaps, it's slapstick. There's loads of jokes in it. It's, it's capers and stuff. It's funny. It's, it's very funny. It's funny. There's dark stuff. There's sad stuff. But it always right. has a gallows sense of humor. And it's always like takes a turn towards more just like macabre humor or yeah, whatever. Yeah, the, the jokes are – some of the jokes are absolutely sick. Like um, I'd say like the, the – I think it's the, op- it's the opening scene. It's an early scene where, where you meet Bigby for the first time. And he, yeah. he throws a pint glass over his, over his shoulder yeah. and it's, it if- smashes down the gal's head. And she, she, this wee lassie gets glassed. I'm well, not going to repeat yeah. the thing. And it's he great says. because he throws it over his shoulder and it pauses to go into a different digression about oh. how his story is bullshit. And oh, yeah, the pool story. But, oh, God, but, so good. But God, if you're paying attention, yet. you'll be like, wait, they're on a balcony. And yeah. he threw the glass over his shoulder. But they pause to get you away from that. And it digresses just long enough that you sort of forget that that's a thing. Yeah. And then it comes back, and it continues right from there. So then the glass comes down, and it shatters on a girl's face. And yeah. he's just like, cool, now he I get to... starts a fight. <laughs> he's like, cool. He puts his knife down, and he's like, okay, now I'm just going to go like investigate this accident that I caused <laughs> just to get into a fight. Detective like, Bigby on the case. <laughs> yeah. It's so... Uh, it's also, so Robert good. Carlyle is brilliant in, the, in, in that movie. He is... I think they're, they're all pretty good, but he is... Fucking spectacular, just terrifying. Train spotting's great. And one of the things I really like about train spotting, which is gonna play into the next thing that we're gonna talk about, um, is that in a lesser movie, the drug deal that ends train spotting would be the whole movie. Yeah, it would be the it would, the whole thing would be like a heist, like a caper. Yeah, it'd be the and whole thing not, would it's be like, like the last twenty minutes. And that's it? and that's the way here at least it was 
the all the 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 trailers were like really played up. It's like this is the dodgiest scam in a lifetime of dodgy scams. Yeah. But it's like, but how else would you? How else would you tell people about the movie in a way that makes it sound like a movie? Otherwise, it's like, hey, remember that book that's like, like that you haven't read that's full of like weird short stories and digressions and <laughs> yeah. doesn't really make any sense, but it's like kind of cool. I'm, I'm not faulting the marketing, no. but I'm saying like people who came into that, it's a 90 minute movie, and 15 <laughs> to 20 minutes of that is the, the, the dodgiest scam in a lifetime yeah. of dodgy scams. The rest of them is like, yeah, like episodic vignettes it's of like, like being Scottish. The, oh. Yeah, Tremendous it's like stuff. I'm off drugs, so like now I'm super horny and yeah. or I have diarrhea. Like <laughs> I got two, dude gets too drunk and could have sex with his girlfriend, but passes out and poops bed. Like it's yep. like all this stuff that's like just vignettes of life, and then eventually it gets and people being friends, separating, yeah, coming back together for various reasons, and then it culminates into like let's all get together because this is a, we have this really dumb opportunity that we're yes. gonna do and then, i still don't really know how spud is involved in this it feels like he is nothing but a liability in this whole <laughs> that is a hundred percent like already just actively involved in it. by the time they're like written we know how much money you have you should totally give us the rest of the money yeah he's just like hanging out and they're like yeah let's get spud in this <laughs> um and so and then it ends with one of the best endings to a movie so it's it's uh if well, we can we can recap it um well, ransom just, ripping off his friends ripping off his friends except spud and i think in the book i think he rips off everybody i can't remember. yeah i think in the book it's i haven't read it in a long time but i think from reading about t2 that it was sort of written said he felt bad about ripping off spud oh okay. he, he was like so i guess oh. he doesn't make it right in but, the book. but I think what what I read is in in the sequel book called Porno, it is just in there that he did give Spud the money, which is, may have been based off of more oh, of the movie. What, yeah, that's what it says on Wikipedia, isn't it? You know, I read I, Porno, can't remember what happens in it, other than it's mainly, from what I remember, mainly about making a porn film. Yeah. And obviously in, in T2, that's not happening. <laughs> that's, that's not what it's about at all. Yeah. There are aspects of it that are similar to how... T two plays out, but it's and not. that's and so it's it's not T two, but the setup is kind of T two. Yeah, but so Danny Boyle said he wasn't really going to make porno. Well, he also yeah he came out against the. It's just that, that this book isn't very good. I, I'm not not super into it. So it, we're not going to do a sequel to Transporting, or at least we're not going to do a sequel to Transporting. That's that's this book. Also, so. also, you and McGregor salty at Danny Boyle because he was in Shallow Grave. He was in Train Spotting, a life less ordinary, which a life less fucking terrible. It is a, a legitimately bad follow up. Although it does have the song "A Life Less Ordinary" by Ash, which is one of the best Ash songs. Yeah, all right, f- fine. That's <laughs> that's the silver lining to the shit sandwich. Is like, oh, you got that good. I, I I don't know if it was written for that movie. It might have just taken a name from it. Anyway, Ewan McGregor thought he was going to get the lead in the beat. He oh. cast Leonardo DiCaprio instead, and Ewan McGregor was fucking pissed. Yeah. And so he's kind of like hasn't been in a Danny Boyle movie since then. And I think he had gone on record when people asked about a Train Spotting sequel. He was kind of like, I don't know. I think he is he kind of over it, but not too over it. No, because they made because it was announced that they were making T two. Yeah, trains originally it's train spotting two, and it became T two colon train spotting. Yeah, I guess they didn't want people to be confused and think that it was a sequel to Train Spotting. So, okay, so uh, I was excited for this movie. Yeah, um, I, been I, more I was. I had um, not not. I wasn't like, oh, this is going to be good. This is going to be a thing. 
this is definitely going to be something I need to see. I was the, even if this is terrible, it will still at least be fucking more train spying because they had the the four principal characters. Um, they all, all the living, all, all the living characters actually, and they they announced like Kelly McDonald. Yeah, who I, there was a more first made of that than I thought should be. Yeah, I'm we'll like, talk about I that. I don't care about. That. <laughs> well, but they announced like we got everyone back who yeah. lived, and then Danny Boyle, original director, same writer I think who wrote the screenplay. I don't know who did the screenplay. We can okay, I think it's the same dude. Yeah. And they got Irvin Welsh to be in it again. So, yeah, I was hoping, based off that pedigree, that was going to be good. I saw it. You also just saw it. What did you think? I so the, It's two hours. Uh, the first half, I really enjoyed. I was really into it. I thought, this is... It's dumb, fun. It's not going to be... I didn't think it was going to be an iconically amazing movie. I had low expectations going in. I thought, this is, could be terrible. But... I really, it was funny, and um, the characters are very charming. Um, Spud, in particular, is, was just a, a delight to watch. He had this little, he had a very sad fucking Stan Laurel face throughout the whole movie. He is, he's great. He's like, great. And then an hour in, I felt like it really slowed down. Uh, there was, there should be less and less happening, and the movie's not good enough to have not very much happening. I'll say this there are moments throughout the movie that are great. What did you like? Let's let's go through yeah, what, so we, uh, what we liked. Character moments. There's character moments that are really really good for every character. Like okay. just like little mo- like there's like little moments like uh, Begbie taking his son on like a burglary or yes or most and, stuff. and his son was not into it. Yeah, it was, a, it, was a, cla- it was king of the hill kind of like <laughs> aggressively not into it. Um, Almost everything with Spud, like there's just little moments like that that are mostly about character and not about the overall plot, and all those were like, all those were good and felt real and true to stuff. There's some inventive things about the nostalgia, like uh, a moment that still sticks out to me is the opening scene of Train Spotting is Spud, yeah, is yeah, yeah, is is Spud and Renton being chased by cops. And they might like, be security guards or security <laughs> guards for, because they shoplifted stuff to sell. And so you have old Spud who looks across. He's walking this down the street. He looks over and it's the street across the street is the street they ran down. And he can see himself, a young version of himself and written running, being chased by security guards. And it's just a lovely like yeah. visualization of like the memory of like these people together. That's also the whole movie. Like, that's yeah. It's every- kind of a whole movie, but that was like the best moments. There's yes. Sometimes there's like not as good moments. There's like moments that try to explain why these characters are what they are through flashbacks that I didn't think I needed. To, I didn't need no, to know just, that. We've seen the first movie. Like, we know uh, who these people are. Also, it's like, I don't need to know that Begbie's dad was bad. Like, was a bad dude. No. I didn't- Although, that's kind of where the title of the whole thing comes from, which I... I think I knew from the books, but like having it kind of reaffirmed in the uh, in the movie is like because that there's a part of one of the one of the sections. I think it might be in Skag Boys actually, which is the the prequel that came out after Porno, which is, takes place before Train Spotting, uh, but is a bunch of other. It's it's like him trying to write Train Spotting again. It's not very good. Sure. Um, yeah. There's a chapter in that I think it's called um, Train Spotting at Leith Central. And I didn't understand that was a joke because I'm not an expert on train stations in Edinburgh, but Leith Central is, is closed down. 
uh, it's it's an X train station. So there's no no things anymore. So they're they're out there drinking. Uh, they go for a piss, I think, in the middle of the train station, and this alcoholic dude comes up, and it's Bigby's dad. And he says, "Aye, boys, train spotting and leave Central or whatever." And like, as if that's because that's the thing you can't do because there aren't any fucking trains there anymore because it's all shut down. Yeah. So all of that finally Got it. made sense. I don't always like a peek behind the curtain on everything. You don't need origin stories. For like superheroes. I don't need yeah for <laughs> side characters of because it's like <laughs> you know train spotting is written story like the first. The movie, not the book. The book is a collection of short stories that is yeah. like everyone. But so the, the movie, they threaded it as, as Renton's story. He they, does most of the voiceovers. They made all the voiceovers. Isn't he, it? It's almost all voiceover. Okay. On rewatch, you really get it's like, oh, it's he's really narrating the story. There's no voiceover in um, porno, and I think or uh, not porno. I'm sorry, T two, T two, and I, I'm not gonna be the guy who's like it should have been just train spotting again. But train spotting, like I said, they shuttled the scam aspect of things to be the last 15 minutes. Yeah, this this was kind of... The this scam is like in pretty early, didn't Yeah, it? this is like... It is almost initially Sick Boy's like, I'm mad, I have the scam for revenge. And that's kind of the whole movie. And there's some digressions and side stuff, but a lot of it's still in service of Sick Boy being like, I need to get written back on my side so I can do some yeah. revenge also, thing. Also, Mad Alive, like... He literally says that to his his, uh, his girlfriend. He's like, I'm going to get him on side, and then I'm going to fuck him. And I'm like, maybe show, don't tell. I mean, maybe imply that. that like, we think yeah. he's probably going to do that. Like, we know, sick boy. We've seen the first movie. Yeah, well, yeah, you know. Also, you make, he's like a big fucking coke fiend now, and he attacks Renton with a pool cue when he first sees We know how he feels about him. Let's <laughs> yeah, kind of cut well, that scene. Yeah, well, it's also that thing, which is like, it's, I... I I've only seen it once, and so I I don't know if this is ever addressed. But one of the things, sick boy, is just like you ruined my life because you stole that money. Yeah, it was four grand. Four grand. It's not a life changing amount of money. You yeah, if that's if that was really the tipping point on your life, it would be for Spud, but not for sick boy. He yeah, was, he's he was more capable of. Uh, getting four grand together. Well, um, like, unless, it would have been it, difficult, um, but it wouldn't be, oh, I'm, I'm just, that's it for me now. Unless it was just the, act, the, the the thing that like written, ripped him off. Yeah. But he was ripping everyone off. Like Sick Boy was written, ripping everyone off the whole time. Like he was just like stealing Written's TV when he's staying with him and oh, sounding and like in train spotting. And he was like, hey, can I sell your passport? And Written's like, I'm just going to put my passport in this locker oh, now. Right. Like, <laughs> fucking, it's like, Sick Boys is a total scumbag. Turnabout's fair play. Like, you gotta, like... Yeah. Be, you know? So, it's it's one of those things where I didn't care about... It's not the making the porno thing, but it's, like, a, just, like, we're gonna renovate this bar is ostensibly the plot of the movie. Yeah. No, that, and feels, that, that feels like the plot of maybe, you know, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So, that's not a movie plot. You think, oh, at first, they're, they're gonna do the bar and they're gonna make it into a brothel. And that's going to be the plot of the movie, but then they can't do that, and then it's just they, 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 they try to um, fool Leith Council into giving them hundred thousand dollars to hundred thousand pounds, hundred thousand Scottish sterling pounds to yeah, um, to, to renovate the bar. And if that if what we just said sounds fucking boring, it is. Yeah, although that's yeah the part where they actually do the presentation to the the Leith um, <laughs> advisory committee or whatever it is. That's pretty boring. Yeah, it, it does feel like it's only three minutes long as well, well but it's but like no, oh, but it's, it's, it's been at work. <laughs> like, it's, it's, PowerPoint it, presentation. It's that idea of um, this was seemed like less about like at times less about like reconnecting with characters who like are pining for like a terrible time in their lives for some reason, like being nostalgic for nothing, right? 
in favor of like a lot of real estate on like the machinations of like some very boring plotting, like some <laughs> super boring. This, it's just not in, I, or maybe some people were engaged by it or were cool with it. I was not engaged in the plot at no. all, and so I would just be excited when like cool moments happen. So it didn't work overall as a film, like the way Transporting worked overall yeah. as a film, despite Transporting being weird, fragmented, kind of a mess, but just really engaging and fun to watch. Yeah, it's just sometimes they over-explain stuff. Sometimes they were so opaque that it was like hard to even, like on first watch, whereas like I wasn't sure if Renton was going back because of having a near-death experience because his he lost his wife and job or because his mom died. There was like three reasons. Like yeah, I, I don't know why Renton went back. Like, it seems like, like a very risky thing to do. It, it, the movie opens with him on a treadmill, which if it was shot a different way would have been a really sweet, I mean, I don't want to like second guess a very successful filmmaker, but it seems like what you would want to do in that situation is you can make the point that in your mid twenties you're running from security guards because you shoplifted. Okay. In your mid forties, you're listening to your iPod running on a treadmill. That's the difference in lifestyle. Yeah, yeah. yeah and if that was you're shot, running for more practical reasons. If it was well, but if it was shot it was in a way reasons. that like was if this T two opening was shot in a way that mirrored train spotting you would have gotten that connection better. But it's not actually shot like that. It's shot in a kind of a weird sweeping shot, like working its way around like a gym to where you get to a long-haired dude that if you look really closely is Ewan, is Ewan McGregor. Yeah. But it's like kind of hard to actually tell it's Ewan McGregor, and then uh, he passes out. Pass me by. <laughs> um, and that's him like having a heart attack or whatever. And so you're like, oh, he had a heart attack or some sort of – he collapsed for some reason. Maybe yeah. he had a near-death experience. He wants to come back and – make things right because you know he had a brush with death but then they sprinkle on oh yeah and your mom died leading you to be like oh did he actually come back because the yeah. mom died and then it's like oh, oh and, you lost your job and i lost my job and i'm uh getting divorced it's like and, oh and the wife's kicking me out of my house so i guess i should come back to scotland where i, I live kind of <laughs> well, i'm gonna ago. <laughs> like go yeah i'm gonna like so th- there's stuff like that where it's just like maybe they cut a lot out Maybe this is a movie that they cut a lot out of, which is already seems really long, and half the stuff happens. Like I read that um, forty percent of the movie wasn't was shot and not used. So oh god, there could be an extended cut coming that's <laughs> three well, because, and a half hours long. Because I wonder if Diane played a bigger part in the movie, and she ends up being in one and a quarter scenes. She's in like also, a, that. That scene isn't great either. Where she's, she's talking about uh, how to get spud boy uh sick boy off of um off of a charge he got arrested yeah and, and he goes to her and somehow he somehow Renton well, knows where she is i guess Facebook, like, well, you know no, to explain everything well there's there's a scene i think it's later on in the movie where it just in a mo- in the middle of a montage it cuts to him kind of like hanging out outside her office kind of watching her through the window oh and my assumption is that probably if they cut out a bunch of stuff part of that was she might have been one of the first people he thought about connecting with and there was more of that you know so it's one of those things where it's it's sometimes hard to criticize stuff because they do cut out stuff so if i'm like she should have played a bigger part and then they put out a dvd that's got like 15 minutes of deleted (laughs) diane footage and you're like okay that that's fair enough I'll, i'll shut i'll shut my mouth but uh, so on a whole, I guess long story, incredibly long. Uh, I was let down by it. I just didn't yeah. think it was a great movie, and it seems like you. 
I were on okay. board for a while and then fell off. So the p- one part I really, really enjoyed was the uh, uh, 1690, uh, the, the scene where they go to the, the um, Protestant club oh, and, and, and they're ma- forced to sing. And they give their make them up skills. Yeah, the No, the the no Catholics Left song. That was genuinely very, very funny. I thought that was really well put together. It was a nice sense of tension with the bar. The, the, yeah. cause they'd robbed all the cards. Uh, so they were full of, like, they were carrying a bunch of contraband gear and, and the... Uh, uh, the bouncers like you lads aren't from around here, are you? And, and they, he makes them sing. You know how you make people sing, you know, it, which kind of stretchy. But it was it was really good. It was really funny, and yeah. tense, and uh, and really enjoyable. And then they go and then they joyfully uh, rip off all the people by by running their bank cards and typing in 1690 as the password. And then it gets to midnight. And they goes, it's midnight. Let's do it again. <laughs> like, yeah, brilliant. Really enjoyed that. Um, that made me very happy. And I think cutting straight from that to the very worst scene is where they go back to. Uh, that, that scene where they get off in, in the middle of a field because I guess tra- trains in Scotland just stop in fields for no reason. <laughs> sure. I don't, I don't know. Um, and it's shite being Scottish in the first movie. That that scene. Uh, they cut back to they start talking about reminiscing about Tommy and and blaming uh, sick boy and and Renz blaming each other for uh, for his death and talking about um, uh, talking about the the death of what we assume is sick boy's ki- uh, kid the the baby yeah, that yeah. crawls across the uh, across the ceiling. Um, and that, I think, is how do you keep a lid on that? And I think that is what spirals them both into taking heroin again. Um, Which so we'll, we'll the worst part is is where Sigma basically almost does this down the camera. You're a, you're a tourist in your own past. I'm like motherfucker. You're not. All of your words are like the comments on this movie. Like just fucking show, don't tell. You know, don't don't like wink at the audience. Going, you're a, you're a tourist in your own past coming to see this fucking movie. What do you think? You're doing? Jesus Christ, that was a bit much. Yeah, that's bad. Also, I hated uh, written doing heroin again. Yeah, it was kind of unrealistic. And... Well, it it's very realistic, but it never comes into play ever again in the movie. That's the one time you see him shoot up, and so we're twenty years clean, and then going back on it. I, well, I don't know. Maybe I, that was realistic. I, would just, I don't know. I I and maybe they cut out a bunch of written using heroin later. Yeah, maybe. and being like kind of constantly on heroin. I'm after cool. That. I'm just gonna do. Well, mind you, for the um. Uh, he's off. He's clean for a while, and then he does it again to test the heroin for, the, yeah, for that last scene in Trainspotting or the last section. It's true. And he, when he tested it again, he like kept doing it. Like oh, he did sort he of like, yeah. I, I mean, he that. like shot up again on the bus on the way over. Oh, that's it was like, yeah. you know, he's like one last shot to get me through. But there's last <laughs> shots and there's last shots. Like, so it's really like it's pretty tasty that heroin then. Yeah. And so that, the fact that he was like, I was like, oh, okay, he's gonna become a heroin addict again, and then. He's just cool. He's yeah. just like not unconcerned about it after that. And it was like, either have him that be a thing or don't have him shoot up. Yeah. Like that's, I, I, pick, pick a lane. You can't just have a, a glamorous shoot up scene. With with what was what was going on in that? Like they were like projecting weird pictures of like on, antelopes on all <laughs> the walls. Is there a device that does that? Like a zoetrope? Yes. <laughs> yes. Um like four projectors yeah i think uh oh, fuck sick what is going on in your house the, the the conversation on that is like it would be cool if they were projecting like antelopes and stuff <laughs> can we get can we get a can we get some like five projectors to get that done we can are you sure yeah I'm, I'm yeah sure. motherfucker i said 
I'm the guy that directed the Rubber Bandits video. By the way, the trade's working too. The Rubber Bandits is um, that, you know, it keeps to like a music video of a guy yeah. in a car. That's a song called Dad's Best Friend by Rubber Bandits, which is directed by Danny Boyle. And he's terrible. It's a terrible video. It's a terrible yeah. song. Like, so don't put your other, don't use this as a showreel for your other terrible projects. What I liked about, the one thing I liked about that, because it was actively a bad song, and I thought it was kind of put in there to be a bad, now that I know that he, like, probably at least liked it enough to get paid to direct it because <laughs> i thought the point of that scene was like in the original train spotting like these are guys who at least for like certain types of music yeah, they, they, they knew what was shit. going on right yeah. they were like 20 somethings in the know like they got into like house music and you know they're before that they were in the like you know fucking the, the cool like fucking velvet underground kind of yeah stuff, the like. shit that would be or they they knew all the shit that would be like the hot DJ shit that would be in that club or whatever, like right, right. right. like they, they were like they knew that they went to shows and all that, and showing and be like, here's some ridiculous shit, and Renton being like, what the fuck are you even watching was a thing. <laughs> um, I yeah, I like that scene too. Actually. Which is like, because I was like, maybe it's just like, yeah, maybe it's intentionally bad. It might not be. I don't know because I don't know if Danny Boyle has like good taste. In music, technically, or ta- to my taste, in music, right, technically, right. I would say. Um, that's a g- so we just talked about. We talked about earlier how the Train Spotting soundtrack was very uh, influential, or that influential, but it was like hot shit. It was very like it was one of those like iconic yeah. things. What struck me about this, the T two, is how unmemorable the the music was. Did you find that to be the case? Do you did you did anything stick out to you where you're Radio like... Radio Gaga, the same way they're listening to Radio Gaga, because you don't hear that song very much. That actually. was inexplicable. It was weird, because it was they were in a club like where and they were listening to dance music, hyped. and they were going crazy for Radio... And I was like, is this like a remix? Are they going to drop like a fucking crazy beat over it? it was, is it going to yeah, be like... So uh, that like big beat shit. DJ Mega Mix and the, no, it was straight just Queen. Just a also, Queen song. <laughs> two things. One, I have never been in any place other than possibly a supermarket where Radio Gaga's just randomly come on. Two, no one's gone that... People didn't go that crazy for Radio Gaga when that was, like, a news song. No. <laughs> the the audience being filmed like in Webley Stadium doing the clapping and the stamping were not that into that song. Yeah. So, like, that's no shot on Radio Gaga. Radio Gaga's a fine song. <laughs> they have a video that's, like, scenes from Metropolis with, like black and white Freddie Mercury footage put into it is quite good. But no one in the club is like, oh shit, Radio Gaga, Radio Goo Goo, Radio Gaga. The <laughs> like, next song, I think what's going on after the next song on the soundtrack is that Run DMC, Jason Nevins, It's Like That, which that was a complete kind of like, oh, this is like being back at college. This That song yeah. was, was everywhere in 1997, I want to say. like that, You couldn't get away from that song. Sure. That felt like a genuine piece of nostalgia it isn't it definitely isn't as iconic maybe that's part of the point i don't i see i don't know how much of this i want to like give them credit for and how much of this is like <laughs> dudes who did i guess the best they thought they could do and just didn't do a very good job right you know what i mean because there's like, like they're trying i mean it's got a clash song on there and it's got it's got a remix of lust for life it, yeah it's when, at the when end does that get, oh. Oh, it's like he's right at the end it's right at the end because 
Because he starts playing like, like well, almost, life. It drops you, the needle on that, and it's like a quarter of a second, and you're like, oh, that's Lust for Life. That's, that's the, those are the drum intros of Lust for Life. I'm, I bet and, most people got that. I was very pleased that I got that. Yeah. Not and, a remix or but anything, then that was it. But then he was like, I can't listen to this. Which, <laughs> it makes it all happen. I don't know why you'd immediately be like, I mean, I guess if Train Spotting is his story, this equates it with that time. But it's yeah. just so weird. It's like, did he just, avo- I guess it's easy to avoid Iggy Pop, but he's like, <laughs> never listened to Iggy Pop. It was like, wait, I got that Iggy Pop record. I'm going to listen to it. I can't listen to it. <laughs> and then at the end of it, he's like, I'm ready dumb. to embrace my past. Yeah, by dropping a needle on presumably the same record that now has a remix version of this yeah. to show you that he's now prodigy drums on it. Uh-huh. At the, the very final scene actually where where it zoomed out. Uh, oh, forever! Tunnel, yeah, I kind of like that. Yeah, that's fine. It looked cool, and th- that, it's one of like Danny Ball's kind of over affected, um, like crazy shots. But I, I still enjoyed that. That was what yeah, was yeah. There's like. Every once in a while, he does stuff like that. There's a little bit too much fake Super 8-looking stuff. Oh, okay. Where you're like, they're kids. And you could tell they're little kids. Because of, of the quality of the video. <laughs> because, of, because of how lo-fi and square everything is. Okay, the scene where um, uh, Begbie and Renton meet in the toilet. That was great. That was great. I really enjoyed that. I think that happens in the book. Um, oh, in porno? Uh, can't can't really remember what happens there. But... It doesn't turn into a, a chase scene. Into into um, the chase scene, I wasn't sure about the act, but the actual moment where they meet is very intense. The, all of Bigby's scenes are, are actually really good. Yeah, him, get, him getting stabbed in prison so he can get out is that is, was really funny. Yeah. Oh, so okay, so this is something we should talk about a little bit. Let's talk about how I like watching. Uh, generally, I like. I'm pretty deaf, so I like. I generally turn closed caption on for a lot of movies while I'm watching, especially if I think there's heavy accents. Yeah, sometimes yeah, I just can't catch it. So, we were wondering, going into the theater, is this going to be the situation where we're just going to have to really lean in close and try to figure it out? The first scene with Begbie has weird subtitles that all, float. All the scenes, all the first scenes with all the characters have first subtitles, At least Spud and Begbie had them. Now, I'm, I'm, I read that this was because initially they, they speak with a... Um, a fairly not super not super unintelligent Scot- unintelligible Scottish accent, uh, but one that's like unfamiliar to most people, so that you kind of have to get people to acclimatize to it, and then they, then they turn it off. Yeah, but it was really weird to me when they turned it off because they make artfully did it, and it's like, oh, maybe they're just gonna artfully subtitle Begbie. Like this is just gonna be a thing that Begbie, and then it's like having with Spud, and I'm like, oh, that's weird. And then they just didn't do it again. Right. And I was like, because like, Sick Boy doesn't really have well, that S- much. Sick Boy and Ransom both speak pretty clearly. They don't, yeah, they don't have the accent that like. Spud mumbles as well. is just a mumbly dude. Even, even when you read the book, he's kind of mumbly. Like, yeah, he says he, like, like say a lot. Yeah. Right? <laughs> there's really, a lot, really there's a lot of read. like say and Catboy, yeah. like being this shit that's dropped. And then Begbie's like, goes the farthest into like being yeah. like, I'm sure there's, there's, Dudes from that region who are like, I can't understand. That. <laughs> like, I, it's like he's like, I think he's, l- le- I think he speaks slower in T two compared to how fast he speaks in Train Spotting. Yeah, because in Train Spotting, it is legitimately tough sometimes to like get every like you're hearing every third word of like what he's because he like, talks really fast with a crazy accent. Yes, Ace. Super aggressive, and you, you're kind of watching his hands. <laughs> like, yeah, you're a bit frightened. Yeah, um, and so, 
I thought that was weird that they chose the subtitle, and I guess that sort of makes sense, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I sure. like the tension in the scene where he's talking to his, it's not a parole officer, he's talking to like the guy that was representing him in court. Or was trying yeah, to it's do- like solicitor, and he's like... It's like so weirdly great. like leaning in Le- the silence of the lambs kind of like like take the glass out of the uh, out yeah. the windows kind of thing and he's like you gotta press that wee button oh man that's that was he is he is great he uh, is great i i i really do is it bremner what the dude who plays spud uh, ewan bremner yeah who i think played written in train spotting on the there's a stage production oh, really? of train spotting and he played written Huh. So I don't know if he was salty to get like down, like downgraded the Spud, but he's the best of Spud. And yeah. Also, he's, he's the he's the lead in this. Like it's it's his story. It's in this. pretty much his story. And it turns out he's the he's the writer of Trainspotting. I'm like, I didn't like that aspect of it. Like, oh, when it ends with uh, again, never almost cameo of the girl oh, from. I've got, a, I've got a title for it. Why don't you call it? And then it cuts. Cut. Oh fuck it. And you're like, ah, <laughs> no. That, that that wasn't good. Yeah. And here it is, the Acid House by Spud. <laughs> like, like, um, uh, yeah, like, um, yeah, yeah. This is definitely lower tier Danny Boyle. Like when you think of Danny Boyle movies, you're gonna think of Train Spotting, Twenty Eight Days uh, Later. Oh yeah, Shallow Grave. Shallow Grave. Now, now that I know it's a Danny Boyle movie. <laughs> uh, and I guess Slumdog Millionaire. And then there's like a second level because that's, those are like. The big movies everyone can agree are good. Yeah. Just second layer. I really like Sunshine, but it's like Sunshine, uh, 127 Hours. Definitely T2 is going to be on this layer of like the yeah. ones people don't really aren't going to talk about. I'd, I'd watch it again, but like I'm not going to go to the cinema and say oh, if, when it comes on Netflix or on, yeah. on HBO, I'll be like, ah, let's give it another stab and like. Yeah, write email it's just, while I'm watching it's, it kind of oh, the first movie's 90 minutes this movie's over two hours it feels like half as much stuff happens in this one compared to the yeah. the, the original train spotting which is fine part of that is you slow down it should be a slower movie you can't be that caffeinated of a movie with about dudes who are like middle aged or right. approaching middle aged like it should be slower <laughs> it's just not it just doesn't it's just not although d- despite the fact that Renson and Sick Boy look fucking amazing like <laughs> the, the, Sick Boy in particular has not spent 20 years on a Leaf council estate doing coke like he spent he really, every morning no. getting up at 7am and lifting weights <laughs> It's it's weird he, that he he's a purely like yeah oh the dude from elementary yeah that's yeah that's I was gonna say like. he looks rougher in elementary than he does in this movie and I'm like, pretty sure that maybe he Sherlock... put a long sleeve shirt on so you can't see his massive muscles and tattoos and stuff like that it looks fucking great yeah I he's aspire very good. to look that good Jesus Christ <laughs> yeah um Carlisle looks probably the roughest but yeah intentionally obviously yeah. also he's like was older probably he, than. He's supposed to be like a year or two older than them, but I think he's but, lived his life a lot more. I think Carlisle is actually quite yeah, a bit Car- older Carlisle than Carlisle was probably 10 years older than like Ewan McGregor yeah. when they made that movie anyway. So. And he's not been in... I, well, I, he hasn't been in lots of big Hollywood movies, right? He's, no, he's He's still he's kind of like banging just, around British TV shows. Oh, man. He was in uh, 28 Weeks Later, the sequel to 28 Days Later that I Danny did Boyle that. did I not don't, direct. I don't remember him being Starring in your boy, Jeremy Renner. I don't know if he's actually your boy. It, was, it wasn't that great. Twenty eight weeks later, twenty eight days later was. Uh, twenty eight days later, I really is like, enjoyed. That was like that <laughs> saved Danny Boyle's career. Like Danny Boyle was on the like. Oh really? Like, was I think so because out? if you look at like what he was doing, 
Life Less Than Ordinary kind of tanked. Okay, as, as it should have done. The Beach <laughs> tanked. He might have even made like another movie. Like he wasn't like he didn't have a hit, and then he's like, "Cool, I'm gonna make this thing." Boom, it, back on track. It was like, also like a zombie movie that's not terrible, which is mm-hmm. these days very rare. Which is, it's, it's nice that it can be done. All right, so it's good. That's a very long discussion on T two. Yeah. So in, um, in, in watch conclusion. Watch Train Spotting. You know, it, if you want to watch, by all means, watch T two, but. Yeah. Don't don't like going going like oh good more train spotting it's just it's just the characters doing some more things there were some good moments and it's generally not a great movie and it is very very nostalgic yes so with that I think uh, we should be nostalgic for all the money we made in the past <laughs> on our podcast and try to bring that into the future by reading more ads. As a podcast listener, you don't work for the man. You have your own business. And what does every great 21st century business need? A postage meter. Tired of paying high prices to meter your postage? We feel you. But what? Are you not going to meter your postage? You have to meter that shit. Fortunately, there's a solution. At Meters, 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 we got your postage meters at low, low, low prices. Our entry-level package allows you to measure up to 8 cubic feet of postage for just $160 a month. Can you honestly say you've heard of a better metering solution? Sign up now at www.metersmetersmeters.com. The second meters is spelled the French way with the E and the R the other way around, so you'll have to Google us. Use the promo code METERS to get an extra 6 meters for your first month. Meters, meters, meters. Metering the shit out of postage since late 2016. So we got recommendations and and referrals. So um, I was on the soundtrack tip because I was thinking about train spotting and iconic soundtrack. Yeah. So I got two soundtrack recommendations. Uh, the first one is a needle drop soundtrack, a la um, Train Spotting, and it's the the soundtrack for uh, Repo Man, the 1984 Alex Cox movie. It's just great. This is a great soundtrack. It's got Circle Jerks, Suicidal Tendencies, The Plugs. Does it have uh, Pablo Picasso? It does. It has it has that song. It's just a good punk rock soundtrack to another. Uh, movie that really defined my sensibilities, but that doesn't get us on the vinyl island. And I know that you guys, and by you guys, I mean you, love it when I talk about <laughs> I, weird vinyl. Sure, yeah, it makes me feel better about myself. <laughs> um, <laughs> At least I don't have this problem. <laughs> so, tying it in with nostalgia and our opening segment about the NES Classic, Mondo they put out a limited edition 10 inch of the original Castlevania soundtrack for the NES. So it's a straight 8 bit. It's just songs from various levels so it's 16 minutes worth of music on a 10 inch with a gatefold that has like the map of the castle on the inside of it it's very cool packaging um i had now have all three of the castlevania soundtracks they put out <laughs> castlevania castlevania 2 simon's quest and a double 12 inch version of castlevania 3 dracula's curse but right now i'm, not, I'm talking about just the original castlevania which if you have an nes classic you can play right now or if you don't have an nes classic you won't be able to play. Nice. Okay. Um, my recommendation this week, uh, Gatheist put out a new, I think they put out a new record, but the the, there's the single has finally dropped, and it's called Avenged Seven Minute Abs, which... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. It's really good as well. Gatheist are a really good band. Um, if, you've not, if you've not checked them out, you should definitely check them out. 
the new record, I think, is called Let's Jam Again Soon. Um, but I don't think that's out yet. So, again, Avenge, seven-minute abs. Incredible. <laughs> All right. I think that was good. Yeah. I think we really got to the bottom of this whole... Like, whether or not to see Trace Bikes or anything. <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> kind of see it. <laughs> that's that's the way all of our our podcasts are. <laughs> hey, let's we, t- we take hard lines on many things. Eh, it's fine. <laughs> it's, we take hard lines on things that aren't the topics, and then when we get to the <laughs> topics, we ask a question that we have no intention of answering. No. In conclusion, nah. <laughs> yeah. Do what you want. We don't care. Peace. <laughs>